Hey everyone, producer Dave here. Thanks for checking out the Down Ballot Podcast. Be sure to check out all of our shows on your favorite podcatcher. Just search Echoplex Media. If we're not on there, please let us know because we'd like to be on there. Also follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. Follow our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Echoplex Media. And give us money at Patreon, patreon.com slash Echoplex. Enjoy the show. At some point we are going to have to do a whole show about how good this show sounds.
Toronto's model rocket scientist, Big Small Towns. Welcome to Down Ballot, everybody. We do the show live every Friday from 8 p.m. to 9, 9.15, 9.30, and then it goes into the post game, which during which anything could happen. Um, I'm producer Dave. You can find me damn near anywhere. Sup, everybody. This is the Councilman. You can find me at T-H-E underscore Councilman on Twitter and also on the uh, EchoplexMedia.com contact page. And I'm also lurking in your backyard, probably uh, looking to plant an ADU or take over your house by eminent domain. <laughs> How you doing, the producer, Dave? Good, good. I, I had an interesting conversation earlier on the stream. Oh, interesting. I, I talked to possibly the dumbest motherfucker I've ever talked to, like on the show. That's quite a bold statement. <laughs> I mean, you've talked to me on the show. So I mean, I mean, just, just every possible false bit of information, every possible conspiracy theory about the year 2020 and 2021, just all in one fucking conversation. Oh, well, that's beautiful. I'm sure there'll be video of that up on the stream at some point or up in the, uh, the on demand. Might have to just put it out for audio only because he was saying things that aren't true about the vaccine and covid and we got a youtube video mm. pulled for us challenging someone on that just the other day isn't that funny i think you were commenting on that uh our social media overlords you know they're very cognizant of uh cracking down on hate but really it seems to be the hate on people who hate <laughs> that they're cracking down on as opposed to the folks who are just hating i think the one that i got pulled down talking to malibu sky music heels will end up back up because i was clearly challenging her position on uh, vaccination and COVID. Mm. <clears throat> Today, I was clearly challenging this guy's position too. But this this guy was just the dumbest motherfucker I've ever talked to. I told him that too. And what was the response? It seemed like it didn't even fucking phase him. He just kept saying dumb <laughs> shit. He's probably heard it before. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that well, anyway. was fun. Thanks everybody who was here for that earlier. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, and you're listening to this on a podcast, head on over to Twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media and drop us a follow. And uh, I don't know, maybe even sub to the channel if you want some cool emotes. Uh, this is go. not a conversation about my conversation earlier. This is our weekly conversation about the goings on here in the Bay Area and the state more broadly. Speaking of the state more broadly, we're actually going to lead off tonight with something from the state more broadly, um, although it, it feels like a local story. Uh, do you want to lead into this since you we found the, uh, the initial uh, clip? Yeah, um, I found this found this in r slash fresno because we're in there messing with this other guy named ben martin <clears throat> who's like an anti-mask celebrity of sorts and uh well it looks like this fresno well fuck it some of those who work forces let's let it run. are the same who do things news reporter corin hoggard is live in downtown fresno with the courtroom consequences and new details from the officer's team corin Graciela Rick Fitzgerald's attorney tells me the officer acknowledges he was a member of the Proud Boys until he left the organization a few months ago over disagreements. Defense attorneys say his involvement taints any criminal case where he played a role. Rick Fitzgerald has worn a Fresno police uniform for 19 years and navy blue before that, but he wore a different shade of blue at Sunday's Tower Theater protests. Protesters who spotted him wearing his Sons of 76 uniform recognized him from a prior protest where they saw him wearing the uniform of the Proud Boys, which is designated a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Legal analyst Tony Capozzi says Fitzgerald's appearance at this November 2020 protest in Sacramento will likely create big problems in the court system. The fact that it's been uncovered that this 
a police officer who's been a member of the Proud Boys, will bring into question every single one of the cases that he was involved with. In fact, the public defender's office tells me they've identified more than 20 active criminal cases involving Fitzgerald, and they'll examine every one of them for any hint of bias. Several private defense attorneys say they'll check active and closed cases, and they believe the district attorney's office will have to notify defendants if Fitzgerald played any part in their cases. I think the responsibility is clear that they have to reveal the fact that this police officer was involved in this case, that he's a member of the Proud Boys, and that he's currently under investigation internally. The DA's office says it has a review process in place for situations like this. Fitzgerald's attorney acknowledges the optics of previous Proud Boys membership are bad, but he wonders if it violates any policies since a group isn't designated a criminal street gang. Fitzgerald was one of eight officers involved in a deadly shooting in the Tower District 11 years ago, but his attorney notes Fitzgerald more recently got a letter of commendation for de-escalating an incident involving an armed black suspect. And Fitzgerald's attorney tells me he's hoping to meet with police. Some of the people I don't shoot are black. Soon, so they I have this all a black result. friend who I didn't shoot. Downtown Fresno, Cornhoggard, ABC 30, Action News. Like, what, what fucking, what possessed this, what possesses somebody who's a fucking cop to go out to an event, like, dressed up in, like, a Proud Boy kilt? Well, I mean, if, if he truly believed in the philosophy i mean i you know i guess you got to you know you're allowed to be who you are uh, outside of your work environment um provided you're not a, a criminal street gang apparently i'm i'm more curious what what was the disagreement like he says he left the, the organization over a disagreement what was the disagreement exactly like he, he he just wanted to beat on some you know people of color or and they wanted to kill them or like uh they didn't want to pay for his air travel to Washington to cause an insurrection at the Capitol. I don't, I'd be interested too. Maybe the disagreement was like, he was, maybe he legitimately like joined for a short period of time and then was like, Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, I thought these guys were just honorable, you know, patriots and we were just going to get together and play bridge and, uh, talk about our, our personal lives. <laughs> and then it turned out they were these fucking racists who wanted to kill a bunch of motherfuckers. Um, yeah, it's certainly going to, you know, draw into question some of the incidences in his past, but at the same time, like they said, it's not, I don't think no, no criminal action can be taken. I, I don't know if any of the, the folks that he helped get convicted, right. Or, or prosecuted, um, could, you know, le legitimately overturn their convictions because of that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely concerning, but it's not surprising, right? We've heard this a lot that law enforcement officers, military um officers and soldiers um are also involved in groups like the three percenters and the proud boys and um and militias as well um in their sort of extracurricular time and many of them were ca were caught up in the january 6th uh incident in washington so. by caught up in it you mean willingly attended correct video and and uh you know <laughs> iphone videoed themselves self uh, facetime themselves rifling through senators um desks and through nancy pelosi's office and her voicemails but um, like if somebody has a case in front of the, you know, whatever court, uh, district court or whatever there, it would be malpractice for their lawyer not to bring up the, the arresting officer was a fucking proud boy, right? Of course not. Yeah. Especially if you have a pending case and you have a, a you know, a 12 person jury sitting there of, of their peers, like you'd expect at least one of them to 
be a little bit swayed by that kind of circumstantial evidence, right? And all you need is one juror to to prevent a conviction. So yeah, maybe uh, maybe we'll hear more about this. I'm going to keep an eye on the uh, r slash Fresno. By the way, the people in there are all super nice in Reddit's Fresno thing, which is really weird because it's Reddit and Fresno. Interesting. Yeah, uh, Fresno can be a little bit old school. It is Central Valley. It's a city, right? There's there's definitely some urban aspects to it, um, but it is still uh, the Central Valley, so it's it can be a little bit sketchy. Uh, once you get out of downtown, the further you get out of downtown, it's, it, it turns really quick. It turns really quick. We posted something in there and somebody, the first comment was like, I haven't even watched it yet, but yay. Cause they knew it was <laughs> us talking to Ben Martin, right? <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah. So we, we should definitely keep tabs on that. Um, and maybe we'll do a little fret. We do our, uh, monthly or bi-monthly, you know, um, road down ballot road trip. Maybe we can do it to Fresno County. Fresno is a little bit like a slow news town. We might, if we could expand it, maybe to focus, do, like do a regular down ballot, but instead of focused on the Bay, focus on the Central Valley. Yeah. Bakersfield all the way up to, you know, the state of Jefferson, even um, that would be, that would be fabulous. I think we could get some good stuff call out it, of there. Call it the, call it the uh, East of Us version. There you go. East of Eden. Well, the, um, this week was, speaking of uh, docket items, quite a big week for uh, the South Bay and the Bay Area in general. Obviously lots going on. Um, both COVID and otherwise, but uh, if we're going to uh, move on to winners and losers, one of our favorite segments on the show, because as we all know, there generally aren't any winners. Um, and if they are, they're losers, but we might get to a winner in a little bit. Um, so uh, a couple stories here regarding um, the vaccine situation. Um, apparently uh, there's quite a bit of a shortage, which is, I guess, good news because of, I felt like it was going to be a challenge to get a ton of folks convinced to take the vaccine. But um, hey, California is California has proven us wrong. There's more of us than there are of them. But unfortunately, that means there's not enough vaccines to go around. More disappointments for people who live in the South Bay waiting to get their COVID vaccine shots. Despite re uh, repeated promises of a more robust vaccine supply from the feds, nearly everyone is still seeing a shortage and cancellations. However, the governor made it clear today he thinks things are going to dramatically change soon. For him, maybe. <laughs> Olivia Lindor thought she had her Kaiser vaccine appointment lined up. But even though it worked for a co-worker... She went on to Kaiser Permanente, like online, and she was able to um, get, the, get the vaccine appointment. And I tried the same thing, but I wasn't able to. Olivia couldn't get her shot, then found out thousands of other Kaiser Permanente members had their appointments canceled for next week because of a lack of vaccine. We have uh, limited access to vaccine. Santa Clara County Executive Dr. Jeff Smith says they're upset, too, as they wait for more doses. It's going to be frustrating for the next month to month and a half until the actual supplies get to us. Kaiser says in a statement, despite unpredictable and often limited vaccine supplies, Kaiser Permanente has and will continue to provide vaccinations to its members and the public using vaccine that is allocated to us. But is there enough being allocated? The county says no, Governor Newsom says more is on the way. And we're anticipating within five and a half weeks where we can eliminate all of the tiering, so to speak, and make available vaccines to everybody across the spectrum because supply will exponentially increase. Meanwhile, Kaiser tells us they will reach out to those who had their appointments canceled and work with them to help them get the shots they need. In San Jose, Scott Budman, NBC, Bay Area News. 
Have you gotten your shots yet, Producer Dave? No. I mean, you're probably in the same general tier as I am. We're basically going to have to wait for open access, right? Correct. Yeah. If I mean, if, if you lived in New Jersey as a smoker um, or a, a former smoker, um, in my case, um, um, I although smoke, it's still, I, I smoke again. I, I still, well, I smoke some things, right? Um, but uh, yeah, in New Jersey, we'd be eligible, but uh, that uh, smokers are not considered a, per, uh, a pre-existing condition or a, you know, underlying condition here. Um, although pregnancy is, so just FYI um, for all your ladies out there. Um yeah, but I'm I'm anxiously looking forward to to getting my shots. But you know, I'll wait, I'll wait my turn. I don't need to jump the line. Um, but some people apparently on this story uh, don't really mind so much. It's like middle school all over again. Large vaccine sites are set up around the state for when supply increases, and it's for days like today when 4.4 million people became eligible. But at other sites, some of our crews witnessed people abusing the system. Right now, you're only allowed to get a shot if you're in Tier 1A and 1B. And as of today, so can those 16 and up who have high-risk medical conditions or disabilities. But as eligibility opens, so does the opportunity for more line jumping. Today, this man on the peninsula didn't have an issue admitting it. And I met this lady in a wheelchair, so we moseyed on up. And um, I played it off like if she was my mom. Several more have <laughs> heard of others do the same. Andy Imperato is the executive director of Disability Rights California and a member of the White House COVID-19 Health Equity Task Force. I would just ask people that don't really need the vaccine now because they're not at increased risk of getting COVID or dying from COVID to wait and let people with disabilities and serious health conditions get access first. And due to confidentiality, the state doesn't require people to prove a diagnosis or disability for a vaccine, but you are required to sign a legal document that you meet the criteria. It's a trade-off, right? You, the stuff that you do to make it easy for folks to access the vaccine creates a risk that some people will game the system. The things that you do to prevent people from gaming the system can create barriers for people who really need the vaccine. UCSF epidemiologist George Rutherford says taking an appointment away from someone who needs it makes the pandemic harder to fight. We don't want the hunger games for vaccine. There's a logic to this and uh, please wait your turn. While others argue vaccinating anyone will help us get to herd immunity faster. You know what? The more people get vaccinated, that's the most important thing. In the South Bay, Ian Cole, NBC, Bay Area News. Well, very interesting here. I, I mean, I, th this is under winners and losers, and I think that it, it's it's a really good uh, example of this segment of the show because the losers are obviously the people who do have underlying conditions, you know, desperately need the, to get the vaccine to make sure that they're safe and they're keeping their families safe. Um, the winners are the folks who are jumping the line and, and sort of skirting the rules, um, but they're also losers, right? Because, <laughs> because of what they're doing, even though they're winning personally. Right, they so, won, um, but you ain't rooting for them. Right, exactly. Um, that said, you know, I have to say, you know, if, if, there's, if there's a loophole out there, if, if, if this was something else, right, if this was to like avoid the vaccine or if this was to get some sort of, you know, tax incentive or win some money, I could feel a little worse like they're, they're jumping the line because they legitimately want to, you know, be safe and they want to protect themselves um, and they want to get the vaccine and everyone should want to get the vaccine. So I, I can't fault them too much. Um, I'm certainly waiting my turn. I've had some opportunities to, to not jump the line, but to get, take advantage of uh, the system. And I've chosen not to, because I think it should be 
um, equitable and, and make sure that folks who desperately need it are getting the treatment. Because I, I don't have to go out. I don't have to work in an environment where I'm around a lot of people. I'm not an essential worker. I'm not, you know, working in a health in the healthcare world. And I'm not. I'm not a senior. I don't have an underlying condition. So, you know, as much as I want to get vaccinated, be able to hug my mom again, you know, I at the same time I'm going to wait for my mom to get the vaccine. <laughs> I'm not going to cut the line and cut her off. Oh yeah. Anyway. We're going to move on. We're going to talk about uh, music venues. It's been about a year since all the music venues had to shut down. And I guess this is pretty much uh, like a retrospective from the local news on uh, what some of the local venues are going through and uh, maybe what's next. Is marking one year being shut down in a creative way. You can see venues in San Francisco like Bill Graham Auditorium, The Independent, and Cafe du Nord change their marquees with the same message. One year, Mm. no shows since March 13th, 2020. The plan is for musicians to take photos of the marquees, post them on social media. Organizers say it's a reminder of the impact of the pandemic on the entertainment industry. What's uh, what venue do you miss the most, producer Dave? That's been shuttered for a year. <clears throat> um, like locally, the caravan. Yeah, good call. Did you have you played there before? Spun there? Have you spun there before? No, that's not really. It's not really. It's not really a place I'd end up DJing. I don't think. Yeah. I've, uh, played there with uh that little rock band i was in uh more than a few times it's one of my favorite it was one of my favorite places to play because you're pretty much in the audience right like it's it's not not uncommon for someone to come up if they know the words to your song and just get on your microphone and start singing the song <laughs> without being invited um so a great place for for that and um cheap beer good thrills um and uh and good good party scene um but yeah uh, i miss the caravan i miss uh, uh well i miss the blank club but the blank club's gone um I miss all my venues up in San Francisco. I miss the independent bottom of the hill. Um, so we'll, hopefully um, very soon before a lot of these places have to shutter for good, we're going to get back to, to live shows, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, anything like those packed shoulder to shoulder kind of event, uh, events anytime soon. I, I don't think even I'd feel comfortable in that kind of an environment. I don't know. Once it seems like everybody has their vaccine, I'll cram in like a fucking sardine. Fuck it. Right. As long as you can, as long as you have to prove, you know, you had the vaccine. They're, they're talking about, um, uh, at least in schools and in some venues, um, you know, having some sort of electronic or, you know, scannable QR code or something embedded in your skin or something that <laughs> tells them that you've <laughs> I mean, had the vaccine. I mean, they're talking about that on InfoWars anyway. <laughs> right, right. Um, but they're, they are talking about some sort of scannable card or something you get um, to prove that you've had the vaccine and uh, being able to, it's like your get out of jail free card kind of, you can go wherever. Um, so hopefully soon. Um, I do have tickets that have been burning a hole in my pocket since last year to go to the chase uh center and see a, one of my favorite bands so hopefully that gig will actually happen this summer but i'm not holding my breath unfortunately uh well moving right along uh through winners and losers um did you did you know that homeless people will, will eat your children if you let them producer dave no but i bet a bunch of people in willow glen things that it's actually not Willow Glen. You'd be surprised, but but uh, yes, there, it's in San Jose for sure. Coming from every corner of the country, open our schools, but two South Bay superintendents are saying not so fast, not because of the coronavirus, but because of homeless encampments near campus. NBC Bay Area's Damien Trujillo has the exclusive story. Valley Water and the city of San Jose say they are not able to clean up encampments because of the coronavirus, not within 100 feet. But superintendents tell me that is putting the safety of their children at risk. 
When schools reopen, children might be greeted by this, homeless encampments along the way. 1,000 students alone at Shepherd and Painter schools in San Jose might also witness this, used needles scattered along their path. This is not a safe environment for anybody, not even for our staff. Two San Jose superintendents, Dr. Ilaria Bauer at Alam Rock and Juan Cruz at Franklin McKinley, invited us on a tour to see what their students would see if schools open tomorrow. So there's a greater number of encampments in, in, uh, along the creekside right now. This was a scene a few months ago on the same fence line Cruz is talking about, an encampment fire along the school path for kids. We're concerned uh, right now because it's gotten uh, um, worse. Uh, uh, due to the, the pandemic and, and the inability for the county and the city to do abatement uh, that they normally do. Usually the east side gets kind of the short end of the stick, you know, and so uh, this is something that we, we cannot uh, tolerate anymore. We simply need to relocate those encampments that are too close to schools. The mayor, who is pushing for schools to reopen, says it may be time to change local policy. He'll introduce a proposal to the city council on Tuesday. Uh, to urge the city manager to be much more proactive around protecting schools and ensuring that encampments are not encroaching in areas they're particularly child sensitive. The superintendents say they sympathize with the unhoused, but insist their top priority is the safety of their children. In San Jose, Damian Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. So once again, perfect story for winners and losers, because, you know, it, it's like the, the losers are the winners, the winners are the losers, and there really are no true winners here. It's just like, what's going to happen to the kids? They're going to see homeless people? That was sort of my my opinion, right? It's like um, there are all sorts of safety issues with schools in in general, right? And um, if anything, I mean, all they they really showed here is that there's just it's unsightly and whatever it would like it might it might be uh, inappropriate for kids to be nearby. I get if there's like a fire, but if there's a fire nearby, you're gonna you know there's there's precautions that, that can be taken and there's uh, there's steps that can be taken. Um, I understand, I also understand about the needles and and etc on the ground but you know at the same time if your kid is old enough to be wandering around off campus you know middle school or whatever and they pick up a needle and something happens i mean where what kind of education is that kid getting i think i'd be more worried about about that than anything else um yeah kids kids are i mean i don't know parents have, if that's a thing in the neighborhood the parents can just be like hey don't pick up nothing off the ground right Unless right it's like a 50 dollar bill Right. I do like the, the mayor, of course, you know, typical government response. Well, we just need to take these people from one place and move them somewhere else. So that so what? So they're, you know, um, a threat to or a, a danger to some other folks or to another neighborhood or somewhere not near the school. Right. Um, How's that any better? I mean, the superintendents are right. The east side does get the short end of the stick almost every time. Um, and that's just institutional racism. But it's you know, this is there's encampments like this everywhere. I can't, I'm just, I was shocked when I opened the story. I thought it was going to be like Willow Glen or some sort of West Valley uh, districts that were upset about this, but no, it's actually, you know, it's, uh, it's folks who have a lot, a lot bigger concerns, frankly, than the fact that there's a homeless encampment across the street from one of their schools. Um, they've got massive issues of fund funding shortages, um, students falling behind, uh, on their educational journeys, right? And not getting enough resources to support them, no counseling. There's just so many issues that are confronting schools these days that 
you'd think that you know folks just trying to live and get by across the street would wouldn't really be a huge red flag also you know what the east side mostly has no light rail that's very true that's very true although it's coming down a capital now all the way to east ridge that's going to be it's uh the new spur but it it also like has you if to take it downtown san jose you're gonna have to wrap around to like milpitas to the great mall and <laughs> and then back to san jose um instead of going like straight down santa clara and alum rock it's it's a mess it's a mess the public transit system is kind of a joke around here as you know i mean if you live downtown or on the west side it's great it's you know it's fabu but yeah um try getting to and it's try getting to, to your job or to your school or really anywhere you need to go um on the east side you're right it's a, it is a mess well, um, that's winners and losers. Um, so ho- hopefully we'll find a winner at some point. There's some winners later on in, uh, in our final cu- couple of segments but, or clips. But um, as usual, we like to take a look at you know, a, a locale in the Bay Area um, that needs to get its, its act together. Um, and it looks like Oakland is starting to get its act together uh, around the, the housing shortage. But of course, it's going to drive some people up, up, up a wall about the housing crisis and the cost of living here in the Bay Area. Oakland could soon allow fourplexes in areas zoned for single-family homes. Vice Mayor Rebecca Kaplan introduced a resolution last week that directs the city to look into the impact of the move. If approved, it would allow more housing to be built in certain areas, including neighborhoods near BART stations. Earlier this month, Berkeley voted to end single-family zoning by 2023. San Jose is considering something similar to ease the housing crisis. Yes, we are. And boy, are people pissed about it. (laughs) Are you familiar with Opportunity Housing, Producer Dave? I mean, it's just a, isn't Opportunity Housing just a term that just like they're trying to dress up that they're just going to build more houses in less square feet? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a marketing term basically around uh, densifying neighborhoods, or at least it's actually not so much that, um, and this is the the absolute misconception it's not like the city's coming in and bulldozing neighborhoods and building these fourplexes right they're not going to come and tear your house down or your neighbor's house down and and do this it's all um allowing for the opportunity for landlords or for property owners to in general like in in most cases subdivide their homes right make make uh, turn a house into a duplex convert a larger like victorian into a fourplex or a, or a sixplex or if you've got a, um, or if you've got a big old lot and just a regular house on that big old lot you can build a fourplex there instead. Correct, right, and or uh, or multiple ADUs, right, and just allowing for more units. Just pretty much trying to put more, squeeze more units into places without into spaces where housing already exists and structures already exist, and it's not going to cost a lot to do it as opposed to building the new housing, right? Um, and the, the term opportunity housing obviously comes from you know creating more opportunity for people to get housed and for people of lower income and lower means to be able to afford to live in and stay in San Jose and other environs in the Bay Area where it's just really pricey to live. Um, so uh, that's the battle lines are being drawn basically between um, housing advocates and folks who want who recognize the need to create more units because we have 6,000 people living on the street in San Jose and uh, and across the street from our schools, right? The same people that gen- tend to complain about seeing that are the same ones that complain about programs like this because they're just afraid that you know and their and their the fears are being stoked that their neighborhood is just going to get completely bulldozed and turned over when in fact it's really about you know 
property rights and and then and the market as it were right um so if if someone thinks it's going to be profitable for them to to do something like that then it, it might happen but it's not going to change the character of of a city but that's sort of what the um the opposition is making it out to be and we're going to hear more you'll hear more about this in san jose on down ballot our one of our former council members um who's who is looking at a run for mayor probably is is frothing up the the white folk in this in the suburbanish neighborhoods of san jose telling them that everything's going to change and they're they're going to have a six-story you know mid-rise next door to their single-family home which is also not the case um but it's not going to prevent people from in the and the the anti-housers similar to the anti-vaxxers from uh, spreading misinformation. So we're going to be here on down ballot to call them out on it once that happens. But good on Oakland for looking at this. Good on Berkeley for, for eliminating single family zoning. And it doesn't mean the houses, the houses are going away anytime soon. It's just that, you know, it's progress. It's, it's, it's evolution. You know what I've said every time one of these stories comes up is, Oh, you like your neighbors. Great. Now you're going to have more. Right, exactly. And they're going to be more diverse and fun and eat all kinds of different foods and have all different backgrounds and perspectives. And you might actually learn a thing or two uh, rather than just living in a little cloistered environment with your you know, little white neighbors doing your little white things. Um, you might actually get some culture in the most diverse area on the planet, the Bay Area, just about. You also, it turns out you might like a person who lives in an apartment. Right. Shocking, right? <laughs> um, you might find could, that, that there are good people who live in apartments. Right. It could be your kids too, right? Like I, you know, the good wife and I are looking to settle down here, have a family and we're barely able to, you know, get by here just by sheer luck and, and privilege. We're able to to make a home here. Um, but many people in our generation who are multi-generation San Joseans and Bay Areans um, have had to leave and go go elsewhere where they can afford it. And they're, our kids, God knows what's going to happen. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really about helping everybody and, and there but for the grace of god right goes go i so. yeah um there was a a funny incident at the city council meeting at a city council meeting where i live i just happened to be attending because there was a a friend of mine was trying to get a, a like a music permit for their for their restaurant they're trying mm -hmm. to retrofit upstairs a million reasons that didn't work the city ended up being inclined to give the music permit but then he found out about like the retrofitting they were gonna have to do upstairs it's where um flights is now on, oh, okay. uh, on the avenue yeah. and he was like oh yeah. we can't do that but somebody else came on and during the same public comment they complained about too many apartments coming in and that their kids weren't going to be able to afford to live in the city here and one of the city council members i forget who it was it was a long time ago it was like six or seven years ago they just said hey you know which of these problems would you like the city to address <laughs> i was like oh you can't have both right yeah because they don't great, usually great they don't point. usually respond, but this person, I guess, the person was compelled to respond because right. the 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 cognitive dissonance that was going on in this person's two different issues that they had brought up it was like, well, right. well, what? I mean, houses here are a million five. Do you think should we? How? What? What do we do? You know, right? There's a you know, there's constant refrain in the in just about any neighborhood you're in, right? We don't, you know. We're, we're sick of traffic. We don't want traffic. Oh, but don't take away the parking spaces. Oh, and right, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't bring public transit through my residential street. Absolutely right. Don't, don't, don't eliminate parking requirements and don't bring me, don't tear up my street to bring a, to bring a train down there because it'll be less room on the road for cars. But also please do something about the traffic. 
<laughs> you can't have both. It's just not, it's not how it works, right? Um, but that's neighborhood advocacy at its finest. I remember so we, a, a friend of mine, he's been on uh, the Sunday show. Uh, his name was Simon. Uh, he, he, uh, it wasn't for him being on the show. Like he, you know, he had a good time and stuff, but it ended up not being for him. But we were sitting there at uh, one of my friend's restaurants. He was like complaining about traffic. And I was like, dude, you just picked up a job at Cisco. He's like, yeah. I was like, well, I was like, you know, we're sitting at a restaurant where we watch a train go by. And did you know that there's a Cisco way stop for the train? It runs right past the campus, actually, right down it the stops street. right in front of it. Like it's Cisco is one of the stops. And he's like, oh, Multiple that's inconvenient. Stops. He's like, but my commute is an hour 15 just from the west side to Cisco. And I'm like, that takes 40 minutes on the train. And you can right. read your email and get started on your day. I was like, some days when I get up early, I'll even meet you for coffee and we can commute together. And right. now he takes the and train to work. Well, not now. There you go. He works from home hey. now, but he ended up deciding like two weeks later, he's like, oh, guess what I did today? He's like, what? And he, I, I was like, what? And he pulls out his little clipper card. He's like, I took the train to work. And now nice. uh, he's, you know, he's like, I'll still drive sometimes. But now four, four, two, three or four days out of the week, he was taking the train to work. You got a convert there. Congratulations. Good job. He's just one of those guys who has a nice car and really likes his car. Sure. Well, I, th I you know, it's California, right? I think there's, there is some, to some extent, this is the state that was built around the car and developed around the car. So, um, more so than anywhere else on earth, really, because this is sort of the last frontier of urban development. Um, so yeah, folks just, you know, they get used to it. We get used to things, right? Everyone gets used to things. I get used to in the morning, waking up and having a cup of coffee. And now I'm used to having like eight cups a day, you know, um, and it's going to be really hard for me to cut that back. Um, but, uh, you know, we get used to our, our lives and our com creature comforts. And at the end of the day, we, you know, sometimes better options present themselves, but we're not able to recognize them because of that, because we're just so comforted by those, those habits that we have. So it's a challenge. It's going to, it's going to be a, it's a generational issue. I think we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have to find the, uh, I think the critical mass soon because, you know, on issues like housing, on issues like, uh, you know, the environment, you know, we don't really have a whole lot of time to wait around for people to get over their hangups and their, their habits. Um, we really need everyone on board, just like we need everyone on board with masking and vaccinations and getting out of this pandemic. We need the same kind of mentality for the bigger, the broader issues that we're dealing with, that we were dealing with before COVID and we'll be dealing with after COVID. So yeah, hopefully one, we can... one, one more little thing before we move on to down ballot Please. watch. Every once in a while in the before times, I would get on the train, like it would be the weekend, right? Maybe I'd be going, I don't know, um, day drinking on post street or, you know, I'd be going to meet like Kyle and Kyle and Tara at original gravity or just, you know, maybe even meeting my parents for lunch in downtown San Jose. And every once in a while, there'd be some people who I could only guess were from Los Gatos. They'd be sitting on the train and they could just knock it over how clean it was, how cute it was. And like it left the station exactly on time and they were just amazed by it. And I wouldn't be rude, but I'd be like, Hey, you know, this is how some people get around. And it's good that our train is, you know, not very modern, by the way, but well-maintained. Trains were built in the 70s, most of them. But, you know, well-maintained, they're not loud. Um, they, you know, and they're, you know, they, they do a good job. VTA does a really good job with light rail. And, you know, I was like, hey, you know, you should take this more. And they're like, yeah, we should. You know, as you just. Absolutely. And you, then you're talking to people, too. It's like way less boring on the train if you say hi to somebody. I, I think so. Yeah. I've, I've always really enjoyed, uh, when I've had to, I've never had to, um, commute all that far, which is great. I've even been able to walk to work at some, at some, in some cases, 
Um, but when I have had to, to commute and take a train or take a bus, it's, it's always much more interesting. I, you know, you, you really have to not like people, um, to, to not have fun on a train. It's, 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 uh, it's a good time. So talk to your neighbor, talk to the person next to you, strike up a conversation. You never know where it's going to lead. And I mean, the other thing is like people who are regulars on transit, they know that if you have headphones in that, that you don't want to talk to them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's and the other there, thing about light rail is like signals. At the beginning, it was a little sketchy, but now they have Wi-Fi. And if the train isn't crammed with people working, like the Wi-Fi is pretty reliable and fast. And like when I was commuting to work, I could, because I was making my own schedule, I could legitimately take a half an hour off of my day, like in the office, just by doing what work I could on the train on my way in, answering all my emails, just any kind of like stuff that I could just do sitting in front of a computer. Sure, it was less comfortable with a laptop on my lap. And every once in a while, I'd be too focused and miss my stop or whatever but you know i just think that uh yeah i think that this place is uh this place is ripe for some transit development and there's so many benefits like you said right there's the efficiency benefits right there you know like your the your uh, friend had an hour and a half commute either way so that's three hours out of their day that they're not being productive at work they're not spending that time with maybe their family at home or with their friends or their loved one or their special significant other, right. Or their dog, what, you know, whatnot, or just, you know, doing other things, enjoying life, right. There's, there's, there's so many benefits to it um, that uh, it's hard to fathom why more folks don't jump on the train. But uh, I I think you'll see more and more of it as we come back from, from this, um, this mess. uh, You know, I think we're seeing a lot of that evolve and the work commute evolve. Um, We'll probably see more telecommuting and more Zoom commuting, but at the same time, um, I think that uh, you're going to see a lot more people embracing uh, the the public transit. I don't spend a lot of time on Zoom, but if I have to spend, if I never have to spend a meeting with just a client or with people who I'm trying to do events with or anything like that, if I never have to do another Zoom meeting, it'll be too soon. <laughs> I'm definitely zoomed out myself. I think I was on at least four today alone, and that's a Friday. That's a I think like day. companies no. should change it up and put people on Discord on Monday, Zoom on Tuesday, uh, OBS Ninja on town. Wednesday, right? S- Skype okay. on Thursday. Just kind of kind of keep things fresh and interesting. Slack Saturdays. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, <laughs> just anything but WebEx for for the love of God. No more. Oh WebEx. yeah, no, that's funny. Um, Phil, Speaking who sometimes Cisco. comes on Local Love. Uh, works for apple and he works on webex and he's like yeah it's a trash fire oh yeah no it's a mess one of our local school districts i think still meets um their board still meets via webex and it's just it's painful having to log on to that shit so um well uh hopefully folks out there listening to this within the within earshot eye shot of down ballot you know um get on a train get on a bus enjoy enjoy the ride enjoy the, the your fellow comrades out there um even if you have no, even if you need something to do, need something to entertain yourself. Even if you work from home, hop on a train. It's always you, a good time. Like, like if you want to download a torrent and you don't want Comcast to send you a no, no notice. Right. <laughs> or you don't want to, you don't want to interrupt the upstream from the Echoplex media <laughs> studio. <laughs> All right. Well, Hey, um, we're going to move on, uh, down ballot to our down, uh, down ballot watch. One of our, uh, another one of our favorite segments. This is when we take a look and a, a deep dive into extremely hyper-local politics, generally. Um, since we don't have any elections on the horizon until next year, um, however, um, that doesn't mean there's any shortage of political stories. Um, so the city of San Jose has recently been going through a search for a new police chief because they're 
chief uh chief garcia up and left and went to become the police chief out in dallas good on him um so he's now making a pension from san jose and earning a full salary in dallas so good good money if you can get it um so uh, the city city had about uh, we've been following this for a little while we we watched a bit of a a candidate forum with the final six candidates it got down to four three of whom were internal candidates uh, meaning deputy chiefs one who was external uh, not from the department and the city finally this week made their decision on who to hire we're going to find out about him I'm just just grateful for this opportunity. Anthony Mata joined city council for the first time Tuesday as the new police chief. Don't zoom out again, please. started his career with the San Jose Police Department in 1996. Council member Magdalena Carrasco remembers him as her first captain when she started representing District 5. We know the same families. We interact in the same schools. We live within the same uh, vicinity. He's not just vested in the community at a professional level. He's vested in the community at a very, very personal level. He's part of the fabric of the city of San Jose. Mata was one of six finalists put through a public recruitment process. In a statement, city manager David Sykes said, Chief Mata demonstrated his ability to lead policing in the 21st century for the city of San Jose, to build trust with our community and manage the leanest police force of any big city in the nation. He's really the right person for this job in this moment. Uh, because we've got a lot of difficult and challenging changes to undergo. We're not a broken department, but we do need change. One big challenge facing this new police chief, how to heal divides from last year's BLM protest that turned violent. SJPD in riot gear fired rubber bullets into a crowd of protesters last May. One community activist, Derek Sanderlin, was seriously injured. The NAACP has filed a lawsuit against the city of San Jose, representing demonstrators from that protest. The violent interactions that San Jose Police Department have had with residents does come from leadership. And so our hope is that this leadership really um, begins with a reconciliation. I think Tony is a person who is not a big showboat. Uh, you can see he's not a big talker, but he is a doer. And people will immediately understand that about him. In San Jose, Chris Reyes for ABC 7 News. Well, there you go. Sounds like a great guy out of the community, um, Latinx, so he can relate to a very substantial portion of our population that feels threatened and, and underserved and underrepresented and persecuted in some ways. So I, sounds like a great guy. I <clears throat> that that first of all, I loved that they were showing this person on a display that was like an HP display that like, I know that that's like not even a good display that they were. So it's not like they were showing off that they have a nice computer monitor or anything. And right. the other weird thing about that clip was they showed Sam Licardo on a cell phone. Like the, yeah. so that you knew that they were watching him on a cell phone. Right. But then they fucking cut away from it and full screen. him. like, what was the point of showing him on the cell phone? I don't know. There's a lot of interesting shit going on with local news these days and, and how they're um, they're covering sort of the virtual world um, with from like reporters in their car on the or in their backyard. Right. Show, showing them staring into a computer screen. That's supposed to be, you know, intriguing. I don't know. Um, maybe it was sort of like to show. Well, this this was a virtual meeting and then you zoom in and you have you have the full screen. But um, yeah, if if Sam Bootlicker Licardo is behind someone, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical, but it was a unanimous vote, so um seemed like he was the right choice. But there's some folks who are not so sure about it, and they are now voicing their opinions. 
allegations are coming to light over one of the finalists for San Jose police chief. In a story you'll see only on 7, I spoke with a former officer who is transgender about a letter she wrote to the city manager about Deputy Chief Anthony Mata and got a response from Mata himself. I'm afraid for the transgender officers that are there. I'm afraid for the LGB uh, officers that are there. Uh, and that they will not be respected. That fear Julie Callahan is expressing is toward San Jose Deputy Chief Anthony Mata, one of four finalists for the chief of police position following the retirement of Chief Eddie Garcia. That's frightening to me. Julie served as an officer with SJPD from 1981 to 2010 and transitioned from male to female around 2001. She is the founder of the Transgender Community of Police and Sheriffs, a group which offers support to 6,000 transgender law enforcement members across the country, something she needed during her time as an officer. A partner of mine who basically stopped talking to me for several years. Sources close to the selections process tell me the city manager, David Sykes, is expected to choose his pick for chief Tuesday morning. Based off her dealings with D.C. Mata while they both served in the department, Julie penned this letter to Sykes on Friday expressing why she believes Mata's appointment could be detrimental. He didn't agree with what I was doing, which was transitioning, you know, it was against, you know, his personal beliefs. I had sat down with about 1,100 people and he was probably one of a handful that expressed that to my face. I reached out to San Jose police, who declined an in-person or Zoom interview, but sent me a statement from D.C. Mata, who calls the claims untrue, saying in part, quote, The information contained in the letter is being taken seriously and being looked into by the city. It goes on to say, I am a firm believer that diversity in a workforce, including sexual orientation, religion, race, gender and more, is essential to good policing. Julie believes the department has come a long way in accepting its LGBTQ members, but continued to document setbacks, such as a January 31st letter she penned to Internal Affairs, showing homophobic memes allegedly circulating on Facebook from another officer. Julie says in order to advance as a department, she'd like to see someone other than D.C. Mata as chief. There's a lot of change going on at the department. I think there's room for more change, and I don't see... Um, Chief Mata moving towards that change. A spokesperson for the city manager's office told me despite this letter, they are on track to make their decision mid to late March. And literally like hours after that aired, they chose Chief Mata and the council approved the, uh, the appointment. So uh, apparently they were not swayed by that that argument although the city manager did release a statement and we're going to hear a little bit about it here but the statement uh, pretty much was a cya we investigated this the situation and we found no reason to believe that deputy chief mata was not deserving of this appointment um but some folks don't necessarily agree and there's some folks in really high positions now that are, are voicing that disagreement i don't know that's going to change anything but we shall see right looks like the city's standing by their guy seems like it they had they sort of have to right San Jose's new police chief greeted by applause today during his first news conference since the city announced he's taking over. Part of being an effective and efficient police department requires partnerships with our community. We need you. But as we've reported, Chief Anthony Mata is already facing questions about his relationship with the LGBTQ plus community. The choice is a terrible choice of Chief Mata. As the chief spoke to the Wait, who was that? today, 
State Assembly was, member oh. Alex Lee spoke out against SJPD's new oh, leader. Criticism of Chief Mata centers around an incident where a former SJPD officer who is transgender claimed that Mata mistreated her. Those are against other police officers. And if other police officers come forward expressing these deep concerns, I cannot imagine that attitude applied to people without a badge, without a gun. Assemblyman Lee also referenced a 2018 lawsuit claiming Mata presided over a police briefing in which Islamophobic comments were made. I've worked with our LBGTQ plus community ever since uh, here at the department. Um, I continue to support not only that community, but our officers here at the department. Support for the department and for the chief echoed by San Jose's mayor. We've got a lot of difficult conversations ahead, and we know that change is always hard. And Tony Mata is the right chief to lead us through this period of transition. Chief Mata admits his department needs Pun to intended. Here. It's currently facing a class action lawsuit regarding events back in May during the George Floyd-related protests. In San Jose, Scott Budman, NBC, Bay Area News. Shout out to Scott Budman, the best name in local news, by the way. So chats, chats, we're having a little conversation in chat about how basically like it's, it's the diversity of the oppressor is a weird thing for us to be talking about. Um, that the cops, like somebody in chat said, Hey, you know, the cops are not allies of the trans community generally, historically, even in more open and, um, I'd say liberal places like San Jose, like the trans community and the cops ain't exactly and exactly pals sure and and frankly you know um communities like the latinx community and others um you know and and the and the black community which themselves are marginalized underserved underrepresented un undervoiced um and persecuted ironically you know have the same kind of fears and hate and and uh and prejudices lurking within them um so at, it, in a way um transgender i think our lgbtq plus community, it gets the short end from ev from everyone, right? Across the board, because the, those kind of prejudices and, and, and hate uh, exist in all races and all ethnicities and all demographics, um, except for theirs. And so uh, it is to me ironic, um, frustrating, sad um, that that's the case, because we should all be in this together, right? And all persecuted people should be standing in solidarity. Um, and yet there's these divisions that, that arise because of that very thing, because people are a little bit, you know, squishy about, um, someone transitioning. Right. Um, but, uh, I, I did want to point out that they, they did a very admirable job of trying to, uh, smooth things over there with, with messaging and marketing. Um, one of the people standing behind Chief Mata at that press conference and speaking to him on the, in the B roll was the head of our local Billy DeFrank center, the LGBTQ center. Um, so, uh, they're trying desperately to make sure that, uh, this is not a thing, but you've got an assemblyman and now another, I've heard another assemblyman from our area, Evan Lowe is also jumping on board, um, to, to call this into question, this decision into question. So it's not starting out well for the new chief. Um, I don't think it's going to overturn their, just the council's decision or their, their choice. Um, but it's certainly going to make his transition into the role, um, a little bit more bumpy than he probably expected or they would probably like. I don't know. Like, I also think like, you know, why couldn't you just be like, Hey, you know, I don't remember this meeting, but if I said that, you know, I'm sorry, my views on this have changed along with hundreds of thousands of my fellow San Jose residents who used to Absolutely. have wrong opinions about this matter. 
you know, absolutely. Our former president who, who came at, you know, Barack Obama, who came into office being in favor of, you know, civil unions, but not necessarily gay marriage. Right. But evolved, um, with public opinion, right. Um, to, to come to ex- accept it and to, to embrace it. So I, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think we are evolving. And I think it's, it would be beneficial if more people admitted that, you know, sometimes they're wrong or sometimes they don't have all the information or sometimes they just, you know, they need to be, edu- they needed to be educated themselves. So, um, not, will I'm, humility never hurt, especially in a, in a police chief. I'd take a lot of consulting jobs, by the way, but not for the fucking police. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's not, it's, it can't be terribly surprising that that kind of attitude exists within a police force or in the military, right? We've, we see it, we're seeing it all the time, especially with the transgender pilot issues and, and other things of that nature. So, um, hopefully this will be a good teachable moment as they say. Um, but, uh, uh again, there's a lot of challenge. Like they said, there's a lot of challenges, no matter who got this job, it was going to be a fucking shitstorm and a, and a, a mess to clean up. Um, and I don't know that any one chief or any one person can do it. It's really going to take a community um, coming together to figure this shit out. But and you know we shall but, see. I mean, maybe we'll you know maybe we'll find that I don't remember what year they said this was, but maybe we'll find that if, if this if this meeting did happen, as they say, maybe we'll find that this dude legitimately changed his mind. But we live in this we live in this world where you're if, a, if you're a political animal, the last thing you ever want to do is tell people you were wrong before. You know? Yeah. It was 20 years ago. It looks like it, that it sounded like she had transitioned about 2000. So it's been at least 20 years since this, this happened. And you know, he was also younger at the time and, and, and probably a little more green to the world in general. So, um, yeah, that, that, exactly... gang, that gangster move would have been to be like, Hey, you know, I don't recall this meeting. Um, but I don't think this person's lying. They had an, you know, an exemplary career as an officer. I don't think yeah. they have any reason to lie. And, yeah. um, you know, if I, if we, if this meeting went down the way that they said they did, well, I don't show, I don't hold those views anymore. And I'm very sorry. And if I've said anything about, you know, trans people in the past in the department, you know, my door's always open to you. If you want to come in and on, be happy to apologize to you. You know, I'm boom, you're done. It's so easy. Right. It's like the, right. like an apology is the antidote to any of this stuff. As long but as I, like, if, if it was like last week, okay, maybe not. But if it's fucking 20 years ago. Even if it was last week, I, I I think you're right. I think, but I think you hit the nail on the head. And, and when it comes to political creatures and political roles, um, the last thing it seems like anyone wants to do is say I'm sorry or admit that they were wrong at some point, right? Um, it's all this. It's this. It's kind of a gotcha culture. It's the flip flop culture. It's the whatever you however you want to call it the the cancel culture. Um, it's it's one of the ugly heads of it. Is that there's just no space. It seems like there's no space created for people to be humble and to be apologetic and to admit that they have evolved. Um, because life is an evolution. Everything's an, every day is an evolution for people. Um, yeah. I've certainly have beliefs now that I didn't hold 20 years ago. Um, of I have some that I do fundamentally, but, um, yeah, but values wise, right. Maybe my values haven't changed, but my, my understandings and my, my, uh, grasp of certain concepts, right. Has evolved to the point where I realized, Oh, that, that is within my values, right. I value all people. Um, and therefore, as I learn more about the diversity of people, I'm going to value them as well, but maybe I don't, you know, I didn't understand as much as I did. I do now. And that's still true. Every day it's true. You know, I just, the good wife. I just feel like we live in a fucked up upside down world where violent J of the insane clown posse this week was talked to somebody and they brought up homophobic lyrics in insane clown posse music from a long time back. He's like, Oh, you know, I've actually talked to my daughter about this and I told her never to apologize for me and to say my dad was wrong and he's not wrong anymore. That's see, and that's great. That's that's the humility we need from our 
are uh, from everyone. But from Violent J? I mean, come on, Violent <laughs> J did that, you know, but you're fucking, right. you're, like, your you're newly in, installed police chief who's supposed to be, you know, part of the, part of it is, you know, part of the thing is that it's, you know, it's not just another white guy and it's supposed to sort of uh, represent, like, you know, more of the diversity of this area can't do something yeah. like that. Yeah. And we're you don't even have to admit to it. Moment. You just have to say, if that happened, then I was wrong. And here, my view is not that. Yeah. Let's sit down. Let's talk now. Right. Let's, let's have, let's, let's really have a, a dialogue. Let's, you know, let's have a community convening. I'd love for you to be the special guest at, at our uh, community convening around this. Eh, issue. a little pandery, but, you know. <clears throat> well, hey, but, or, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. You know, tell me more about this conversation we had, you know, if you're right. open to it, you know, we can right. sit outside, have, have a cup of coffee, talk, talk some shop, but I'd be, I'd be dangerous if I was a consultant. I could get all kind of terrible people out of all kind of terrible shit just by telling them to apologize. <laughs> I still think it's a, a viable career option for you if you're looking for it, but um, but I respect your your desire to to try to <laughs> to stay above the fray, as it were. But you'd be you'd be a fantastic consultant. I think I've said that before. Just for crisis situations, especially if the things happen on the internet, absolutely, I'd be so good at it. Absolutely. Well, well, uh, go ahead. Did we get to end another thing? Are we are we nearing the end of our our doquette today? We are. We are. It's a, well, it's been it's been, a, it's been an interesting one. It has, it has. It's been very, very diverse and very much, um, very, very passionate. Uh, so, and another thing, we usually like to examine, you know, human interest stories and, and sort of uplifting stories. Anything that doesn't necessarily count as a loser, you know, if it's a winner, we, we plug it in and another thing as opposed to winners and losers. Um, but you found this great story about a, a, a COVID-19 survivor who is now sticking it to the disease and, and going the extra mile in their recovery. Yeah, we never do anything inspirational around here, but whatever. Here's a, might as well. Might as well. He was wheeled out of the hospital on a gurney, weighing less than 100 pounds. The triathlete could barely utter a sentence. How are you feeling? Great. Happy to go home. Don't put a microphone in his face, you dick. Specimen said he had it right. to him by I the just want to go home. But Tom Butts is fighting back. This is okay, beast mode. At 67 years young, Tom is making a comeback. Because I'm very competitive and I don't want it to win. Um, I, I'm going to get myself back to as close to my normal as that I That Chiron on the bottom saying survive the coronavirus. No, 71-year-old <laughs> triathlete is what that thing under his name should say. Right. <laughs> That's ab absolutely survived Corona. Tom is now training for a half Ironman in September. He admits it's not easy. After 79 days in a coma, Tom still feels the lingering effects of the virus. I still have trouble with breathing. I can get out about nine, ten words, and then I got to take a breath. I can't read a full sentence without having to stop and breathe. Get to work. But that won't stop Tom. He has six months to get ready for the half triathlon, which includes a 56-mile bike ride, 13.1-mile run, and 1.2 miles of swimming. I'm very proud to be a Ironman triathlete. Is he superhuman? Because it's incredible. <laughs> I think he's earned the title. <laughs> Dr. Ravi Waldron says he's surprised by Tom's next mission, but then again, not really. 
Tom didn't give up on himself. It allows me to go back um, into clinical care and to see other patients. And Doc, lean back a little. You're not giving up on you're right. yourself. Uh, if He's out. Um, I'm not going to give up on you either. Tom says his family and Kaiser doctors gave him the strength to fight the virus. The physical competition that awaits him, it's personal now. So I know I got a long ways to go, but by God, I'm going to finish that thing. Even if he doesn't finish in first place, Tom says he's already won the most important competition, the fight for his life. In San Jose, Damian Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. That dude's a beast. Absolutely, man. I, I can't imagine being in a coma for 79 days and coming out of that wanting anything other than an in and out double double like and this guy <laughs> and this guy was like fuck it i can't i can't say 10 words in a row without taking a breath but i'm gonna jump on a bike and i'm gonna jump in the water and i'm gonna run 13 miles and swim a mile and bike for 5k it's like okay sure man go for go for it uh just but i mean really even if he doesn't make it dude still beast mode right Oh, fucking A, man. If he could just jog around the block, that's amazing. Like, the, uh, the guy nearly died, right? And there's so many, you know, 500,000 some odd people have succumbed to this this disease, this horrible uh, illness. And the first thing this guy thinks about is like, how can I go like another step? How can I be an inspiration to people? So good for, good on him, man. If we had a winner, just a winner's section of the show, this definitely would be it. So kudos to him. Um, so that, that was the human interest side of uh, Down Ballot. Now we have the animal interest side, because what would this show be without a cute animal story? Not a suspect you'd expect to see in the back of a squad car. You ready for it? CHP officers help... <laughs> <laughs> Book him. Help the sea lion pup from the Bay Bridge earlier this week. Such an innocent face. He's like, why am I in here? <laughs> they got the little guy into their squad car and took him to the Marine Mammal Center in Sausalito. The eight-month-old male pup had wandered onto the eastbound lanes of the bridge oh, on damn. Tuesday. Trained responders, with the help of CHP officers, ushered him out of harm's way to underneath an overpass. Volunteers named him Elio. Elio or Elio, what do you think? I'm not really sure. Yeah, well, we'll go with Elio. They're nurturing him back to Aww. full strength with the help of fish smoothies. Very important to note here. The Marine Mammal Center says- I'm very Bay Area. Or try to rescue a sea lion <laughs> on your own. Avocado toast. Control or another authority and let the experts handle it. There you go, man. That poor sea lion. Like, what did I do, man? Why, why are you booking me? Why am I in the back of the squad car? <laughs> so I, I find oh, there's something like really interesting here. When there was a situation that the police weren't necessarily trained for, they brought um, sea lion experts with them. If maybe inspired we could start doing point. this for human beings. What an inspired point. That's a great angle. I, did, I hadn't even thought of. You're dead right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when we need to deal with the sea lion, call the, like Raj Matai said, call the animal experts, right? Uh, when you're dealing with a mentally ill individual who's threatening someone with a knife or an, uh, you know, some sort of carving tool or a, a potato peeler, call why don't for you backup. call someone, right? Why don't you, why don't you call for backup from someone who deals with mentally ill people and, and knows how to, uh, to speak to them, to work with them. Even if the person um, isn't mentally ill, they're just in crisis at the moment. Right. Right. Uh, call the experts. And why don't we employ more of those people within police departments? What, you know, does everyone have to be an officer? Right. Like, let's let's this is what defunding the police is all about. Right. It's not necessarily about eliminating police departments. It's about rethinking how they operate and funding different aspects of, of uh, not just law enforcement, but, you know, public safety. Right. 
because public safety includes the per, it includes the sea lion and it includes the the uh, the folks who are in legitimately uh, legitimate crisis situations and need help more than anything else. They don't what they don't need is like fifty four bullets to the back, you know, <laughs> which is, seems to be unfortunately what what folks get these days for being mentally ill. I'm glad they didn't shoot the sea lion. Seriously, at least you know, just at least they didn't unload their clips on, on the poor sea lion. Although he he probably was freaked out of his mind to get dropped into the back of a squad car, but he's going to be living he's living life. High on the hog now. Fish smoothies and avocado toast all day. That fish smoothie, like I said, man, that's the most Bay Area thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. <laughs> Is there a protein boost in that? I mean, I know that that's probably like if a if if a marine mammal is having a hard time eating for whatever reason, that's probably a a common thing. It just sounds sure sounds very like um very like like North Beach, San Francisco, you know. The only thing more Bay Area would be if there's like boba in, in it or <laughs> boba pearls in the bottom of the smoothie. Uh, well, that was fabulous. I'm glad we got to end on a, a semi-uplifting note with a great point, Producer Dave. Thank you so much for drawing it back to some of the greater issues we're dealing with in terms of policing. Um, I'm getting better yeah. at all this. We are. It was a nice, nice little tight tight show tonight. Covered a lot of information. So I hope, hope our viewer and our listener enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's going on later tonight and during the uh, the red light? Yeah, I don't know yet. I mean, I've got several Google Docs full of all kinds of crazy stuff. The chat sometimes comes some kind of ideas. Um, we, I don't know if you know about the Galaxy Brain Humidor, but that's where we end up at the end of the night. Is a place we call it the Galaxy Brain Humidor. It's a uh, Brett Brett Weinstein and Heather Hying um, peddling conspiracy theories while pretending to be intellectuals. So we is that your name for it or is that their name for it? The, that's, the, that's what we call it. That's the galaxy brain. Humidor. Galaxy beautiful. brain is actually an insult. Beautiful analogy. Beautiful analogy. Well, I thought they might've appropriated it by, you know, like a, out of sarcasm or something, but Oh no, that's not these, these are definitely not that kind of people <laughs> that would require well, a sense of humor and a little bit of a um, little bit of self deprecation. Yeah. I am debate does not really uh, lend itself to, to humor and self deprecation. Unfortunately. Well, shit, that was down ballot. You want to read us out? Whatever that means. Yeah, for sure. Uh, everyone, be sure to join us um, every Friday night, 8 p.m. for a look at our local derp, because all derp is local. And we'll, we'll let you know uh, about a lot of the stories we, we cover. We'll keep you t keep uh, keep you informed. Um, please go to echoplexmedia.com to learn more about all of the shows and all the streams. And if you're feeling frisky, drop us a few show bucks on the Patreon or on the uh, do a Twitch subscribe or um, find, go to the support page and find out other ways you can support this wonderful network. Um, are we, are you doing a catter day tomorrow night? Yeah, we have operation catter day tomorrow night. This, this podcast should go out tomorrow. So people that are just Great. listening will hear it. That starts at 8 PM Pacific over there on the conduit. I'll be playing some house music or maybe we'll get a little low and do some break beats. And then we got this week and last year, we got this week and two years ago, we got this week and three years Always ago, fun. and we got this week and four years ago. Oh my God. Four years ago. Oh, I and this week and five person. years ago. <laughs> I was a totally different person five years ago. I held some beliefs that I wouldn't even recognize. Um, well, thank you once again, producer Dave. It was wonderful, uh, paneling with you and going through, going through all the madness. Ooh, I likewise. look forward to next week. Likewise. And since we mentioned the unhoused here in San, San Jose, we're going to close this show out with intensity by our friends and our family over at the rebels camp. Shout out to all them boys and all the women who fucking put up with them. <laughs> they are the true champions. We'll be right back with red light, everybody.
they ain't got nothing. They ain't got much to work with. So they're gonna go try to get yours, little what that means. Everything goes away.